This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio. Welcome to the Money Pot. I'm Sanjeev Kalida, Money 2020's editor in chief. I'm here today with Rachel Morrissey, one of our producers. How's it going, Rachel? Good. Thanks. I mean, the sun is shining, the leaves are out. It's really starting to feel like we're turning a corner here. I think a lot of people are hoping this summer will be the start of a new period of hope and celebration and growth. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely starting to feel like that. With the weather getting better, I feel like I'm starting to come out of my cocoon. I biked about 60 miles a couple of weeks ago and about 30 miles this week. I'm trying to get some activity in before the cicada insects start emerging from their 17-year slumber. But it's not just us and cicadas that seem ready to get things moving again, right? Oh my gosh, the famous cicada invasion. It sure seems that way. I mean, the weather isn't the only thing heating up. We're seeing fintech valuations blooming. We're seeing lots of money going public. And fintech investment is hotter than it's ever been. Yep. Q1 of 2021 had $17.7 billion in investment. That is 55% higher than any previously tracked quarter. And there were 301 funding rounds. Just for scale, there were 130 funding rounds in Q1 of 2020. With those numbers, I'm tempted to have a career change. I mean, don't tell my boss, Sanj, but seriously, it seems more appealing than ever to start a career as a VC. (laughs) I've always thought it was a pretty murky path to get there. Like, how do you even start? So I actually spoke to Rebecca Lynn, who's the founder of Canvas Ventures last week. Well, that's convenient. Rebecca is constantly on the Forbes Midas list as one of the world's best venture capitalists and started that fund back in 2013. So in the context of fintech, she's a real veteran of the industry. And I wanted to find out her unorthodox path to becoming a VC and the biggest developments happening in the industry right now. And we started the conversation on a small farm in Missouri. It's a typical story. Like we, I didn't set out to become a VC, right? That wasn't what I had kind of grown up knowing. I was actually a first-generation college kid. I was out of Missouri in the Show Me State, which I think explains a lot about you know how I think about the world. And um, and I went into chemical engineering as a, and thought I was going to get a PhD in nuclear engineering. Worked at a nuclear research reactor doing cancer research. Really liked it, but found that I was just really drawn into all the different research topics and subjects at that reactor and really liked that piece of it. Wow, that's quite a winding career path. But from the VCs that I know and I've spent time with, I found that they come from all walks of life. Theater majors, teachers, engineers are all examples of people who've later become successful VCs. So what is it that makes a person decide to go in that direction? Honestly, I think it kind of finds them. But there are a few common traits that I've noticed in those kinds of people. I mean, they love to solve puzzles. They trust their judgment of people. And they are very comfortable with risk, which is pretty important when you're playing with millions of dollars. I truly agree on that people front. The center of any successful organization is based on its people. Good ideas come from good people. Yeah, Rebecca completely agrees. She learned that lesson while she was helping Lending Club back in 2012. And I had learned very early in my career that the people you work with are the absolute most important thing. And so it was in financial services. 
and they had just a rock star management team. I was employee 30. I was the first product person. And I was with that company uh, for the next four years until they went public and scaled to 1,300 people. And that company uh, was interesting because we actually had the patent for real-time approval of credit online. So with the right people in place, it becomes much easier to solve problems that come up as you develop and scale. Absolutely. Recruiting and developing the right people has been such an important part of the businesses I've been part of throughout my career. And that's really not such an easy thing to do. And when you think about a VC, solving that problem is really part of their job. I mean, one of the things you count on is their ability to help find the right people and walk the founder through any issues. I think a good venture capitalist is your partner and is the person that gets the first call when something goes wrong. And and I really pride myself on being that person. So, um, you know, it's the person that's going to help you remove that obstacle, that barrier. If you're growing your go-to-market, it's the person that can sit with you and say, hey, um, you know, you've tried this channel, this is scaling, you know, here are three other channels, you know, we can try and here's the resources that you can, you can tap into to do that. You mentioned puzzle solvers earlier and, and it got me thinking. I'm sure a lot of us have picked up the hobby of doing puzzles over the past year. My favorite one was a thousand piece picture of Niagara Falls. I completed it in less than a week. But these guys are on another level, right? Yeah, we're not talking about your basic jigsaw solvers here. I mean, these are people who can keep an amazing amount of information in their minds at all times and can make snapshot decisions based on that data. It's not a skill you're just born with. I mean, these kinds of attributes can only be developed in higher pressure situations with real consequences where you're almost forced into practicing those skills. You can't just sit at home and read a book about this and become an expert VC. Rebecca cut her teeth at P&G. I did international at work, new products, new markets around the globe. And what was taught, you know, by very senior people at P&G early in my career, how to think about product market fit, how to design a product based upon what the customer needs and wants, and, and really how to assess that. And you know, and how what you think never matters when it, when it comes to a product. It's all about how the customer thinks, how the customer feels, and, and how the customer is, is thinking about and verbalizing that product. And I find that that skill set is really lacking in Silicon Valley. So I found that really interesting about Silicon Valley. I mean, I think Silicon Valley tends to fall in love with its own products without really finding out if it's something that people actually want. You often hear that quote attributed to Henry Ford used a lot. If I had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. And sometimes that can feel like an excuse for an absence of research. And as long as we're throwing quotes around, I'm going to mention the Steve's Jobs when he said, people don't know what they want until you show it to them. That's why I never rely on market research. Our task is to read things that are not yet on the page. But... Since I'm the one with the podcast, I'm going to disagree with him here. I think we should listen to people when they tell us the problem they want solved and then rely on our own knowledge and creativity to solve that problem. The trick is that right now, the product distribution and marketing channels are the same, whether that's on Facebook, TikTok, or wherever. The loop on customer feedback is almost immediate, which means you should be constantly refining and testing your product, and it's vital that you understand that loop because it's impacting the product 
more than ever before. Yeah, and really understanding market testing is a skill that is highly valued in VCs. When I was at Procter & Gamble, if you were to go to the CEO of the company, and this happened to me a few times, where he would come and say, hey, you're launching this product in Mexico, um, is you know A or B winning? You damn well better say like you know A is significantly you know winning versus B. Here's the confidence interval. Here's the base size, and then be able to rattle off all of the factor effects beyond that, right? And uh, we would even set up you know tests which were balanced and incomplete block test. And so people in the valley talk about A B, and you're like really A B. I mean that's you know that's like you know that's just that's very simple. You know you had to design experiments where you couldn't just break out A versus B. You had multivariate testing going on. Okay, so we're talking about someone who understands how to test, is incredible at solving puzzles, is an expert in figuring out people, and is a self-driven independent thinker. Wow, I'm feeling pretty tired just thinking about it. Yeah, maybe we're not cut out for the VC life after all. I mean, if my boss is listening to this episode, I take it all back. This is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to her. Rebecca has this relentless drive that's needed in VC culture. She founded Canvas in 2013 and was one of the first female-led funds at a time when women made up less than 5% of boards. I'm hopeful that times are finally changing now. The most recent number I saw was that women now make up 36% of boards. And we know from the work we've done on our Rise Up campaigns that when we have a diverse board, that tends to trickle down to the organization without even trying that hard. And that's exactly what Rebecca experienced. It was really funny. Like a while back, we were um, we were looking at some of these firms, like putting out these numbers, like, oh, we're you know, thir- you know invested in 30% women. And we're like, we have a lot of women CEOs and founders, and we had never done the math before. And we, and we just, we just, invested in deals and founders that we liked. And when we sat down to do the math, it was 30%, right? And so, but I think that's what you get by virtue of having a more diverse investment team looking at deals, right? So I think you get that pretty naturally. And actually, that does lead to success because you're naturally tapping into opportunities, which no one else is even looking at. Yeah, that was proven in that McKinsey study from 2019, which found that the more diverse your board the more success your business is likely to achieve. Yeah, I've got to say that Rebecca's story is pretty inspiring. You know, growing up on a small farm in Missouri, transcending traditional career paths, and breaking glass ceilings by founding a VC fund. Yeah, it really is. And now our listeners have heard how she did it. Who knows where our next groundbreaking VC will come from? Well, you might need to do a little more than just listen to this one episode. But it's a good place to start. We'd like to thank Rebecca Lynn for speaking with us. Canvas Ventures has just raised another $315 million fund to focus on fintech, health tech, and marketplaces. And we'd also like to thank our producer and resident fix-it man, Roland Boddenham. We are very excited about seeing you all in person. Yes, live in Amsterdam on September 21st to 23rd and in Vegas from October 24th to 27th. Tickets to both shows are available now at money2020.com. If you like The Money Pot, please leave us a review in iTunes to help others find the show. This podcast will also be live in Las Vegas. So tell us how much you want to be part of it by sending ideas to podcast at money2020.com. Thank you for listening. 
This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio.